on today's episode, what we can learn from Dr. Alfredson. Welcome to the podcast, helping you overcome your proximal hamstring tendinopathy. This podcast is designed to help you understand this condition, learn the most effective evidence-based treatments, and of course, bust the widespread misconceptions. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm an online physiotherapist, recreational athlete, creator of the Run Smarter series, and a chronic proximal hamstring tendinopathy battler. Whether you are an athlete or not, this podcast will educate and empower you in taking the right steps to overcome this horrible condition. So let's give you the right knowledge along with practical takeaways in today's lesson. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me once again. Hopefully you are um, by this stage well on top of your rehab for your hamstring and today's episode was just an idea I had the other day recapping on my experiences at uni and the story we had around Dr. Alfredson and thought there was a lot of interesting takeaways from his story and his experiences which I'll talk about in a second um, when it comes to PHT rehab because it's a mistake or like a missing link that I very often see and so um, thought I'd just do this quick little episode just to um, give you a bit of self-reflection. So who is Dr. Alfredson? In the physio and PT world, there's this Alfredson eccentric protocol that we use, particularly for Achilles tendinopathies. Um, but there's a story that goes along with it. And I just found a blurb of his background on just a website, which I'll, I'll read out to you now. So um, when Hakan Alfredson an orthopedic surgeon and professor in sports medicine in Sweden, developed a painful Achilles tendon back in the mid-1990s. He asked his boss to book him in for surgery because that seemed to be a pretty common solution back in those days. And so he did develop this painful Achilles, asked his boss, but his boss refused because the problem wasn't yet serious enough and the clinic couldn't afford to have Dr. Alfredson off on sick leave. And so Dr. Alfredson, extremely frustrated, he decided to uh, go home and deliberately aggravate the injury itself. And so uh, it doesn't say in his story exactly what he did. Uh, I hear stories on the grapevine, but you can tell how these sort of stories would just gradually um, evolve into something completely different didn't happen. But I heard that he tried to um, rupture his Achilles or tried to tear his Achilles by holding onto a whole bunch of weights and dropping his heel down with his foot on the step and just tried to put a lot of tension through that tendon just to make it worse. So um, I continue. So frustrated, Dr. Alfredson decided to deliberately aggravate the injury with a series of painful exercises, but to his surprise, instead of it getting worse, his injury actually disappeared and he fully recovered. And so this led him to ask himself why, ask himself why it doesn't make any sense, why it would get better, and then delved in kind of the physiology. We learned more about tendons throughout the 90s and the early 2000s, and then we developed this Alfredson protocol, which contains a lot of, if someone does have an Achilles issue, a lot of um, a series of what we call eccentric drops. So you start on two feet, you start on a step, both feet are up, um, up high into a calf raise. You apply a whole bunch of weight and then you just stand onto the affected side 
and slowly lower yourself down. Uh, once that is, once you've reached the bottom, you then get the other foot to help you back up. So both feet are then pushing you back up into that the top of that calf raise. Then that unaffected side is lifted up again, and we just use that affected side to drop down into that calf raise, uh, drop down through the calf raise um, throughout that range. So we call those eccentric drops. And so that's the story. Uh, a lot of these realizations and a lot of these practical um, takeaways that we apply to physio these days often is just a random kind of occurrence that happens or just a, a random experience that a physio tends to, to undertake. And then for some reason, they um, it's a surprising finding and then they try and investigate what the actual cause was and why a certain patient got better and it's kind of often found by mistake. And this is a perfect example. And we hear this uh, when we're learning physio, we hear this just like amongst physios all the time. And so knowing this story and realizing this story, I thought I would have three key takeaways for you guys um, around the, the PHT rehab and exactly what we need to take away. So the number one I wrote down is that pain is okay. Even if I encounter someone who's going through PHT and they are well aware that they've listened to the past episodes and they're well aware that um, symptoms, even low levels of symptoms are acceptable. We usually say anywhere below a 4 out of 10 pain on the pain scale is what we deem acceptable as long as it's okay during. There's no significant flare-up afterwards and there's no significant flare-up the following morning. Basic principles, you'd know this by now if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast. But what about if it's a 3 out of 10 pain during your exercises, during your bodyweight exercises, and you don't want to progress because it's still painful to do? In my opinion, um, depending on if it's not that irritable, but it's just painful. So irritation is like once you load up a tendon, how irritated is it afterwards? If it's painful during and you can't kind of um, progress beyond the bodyweight exercises because it is too painful, I would just try and just add weight anyway. And if it's just very gradual, who knows? Like if you do say, um, I guess weighted bridges would be the most common that I see that people just persist with. Um, if you do bodyweight bridges and it's a three out of 10 pain and you try those bodyweight bridges for three or four weeks and you don't see any improvement, then I would definitely consider adding on some weight into your into that exercise. Because who knows, you could be at a three out of 10 pain, you add the ex, you add the weight and then it's still a three out of 10 pain. Then you add more weight and it's still a three out of 10 pain. Then we can continue increasing your weight. The tendon can keep getting stronger and we, you still have the same level of pain. That is a much better rehab a much better process than just sticking to bodyweight exercises for several weeks because you're too worried that it will flare up or you're too worried to progress because there's pain during the bodyweight exercises. So it's worth a try. Uh, the other thing would be deadlifts. I know I comment on deadlifts all the time. If you have a painful, um, say, deadlift and you're only doing five kilos, but it's a three out of 10 pain and you're too worried about how to progress the weight and you're worried about um, pain levels. If you keep to that five kilos for several weeks and you're not seeing any improvement in pain levels, 
just increase anyway, increase by a little bit, but just see how you go. It might even just be through a little bit of your range. So you might do a half deadlift. So you're not going through a lot of range of compression, but see how it goes. Cause who knows the pain levels could stay the same. If not, if anything, it might even get better because you're loading the tendons, um, which gets into my, my second point, which I won't, um, get too carried away and progress too quickly, but who knows you, you might pain levels may stay the same pain levels may get better or if pain levels get worse, at least we've given it a try. So very important to keep that in mind. So takeaway number one, pain is okay. Acceptable levels of pain. Let's stay within that, but test things out a little bit, especially if you're quite stagnant in your rehab. Second point, tendons love slow, heavy load. And this is why we go back to this Alfredson story and we see the benefits of this because if you're just doing bodyweight exercises, yeah, it stimulates the tendon a little bit, but the adaptation response will be nowhere near the effect, the benefit, if you do things that are slow, heavy, and controlled. That's what tendons love doing. So deadlifts, perfect example, um, those hip Nordic hip hinges that I've described in the past where you hook your feet under something so it's stable. Um, and instead of doing the full Nordic drop where we're staying really stiff as a board between your knees and your shoulders as you lower yourself down, what you're doing is just dipping at the hips like a drinking bird. Um, that's another exercise. If you're wanting to avoid compression, um, you can do a, like some sort of eccentric uh, prone hamstring curls. So if people are familiar with a prone hamstring curl machine where you hook both of your ankles um, behind a cable or behind the attachment, then you curl your foot towards your bum. If you want, you can apply a certain amount of weight, lift with both legs, and then just slowly eccentrically um, control with the affected side, control that weight back to the starting position, and then curl back up with two, slowly drop down with one. And that's still applying a heavy load eccentrically, but just avoiding compression. So number two, tendons love heavy load. I know because my tendons are quite strong, they are still susceptible to flare-ups here and there. But I know that if I do encounter a flare-up and my hamstring tendons are a little bit achy and sitting is a little bit annoying, I know that I need to do heavy stuff. I'm not going to go and do body weight bridges or body weight deadlifts. I go straight into heavy, heavy deadlifts because I know my tendons are already strong. I know that I can tolerate quite a lot, but I know that heavy, slow load is what calms down my tendons the most and what repairs my tendons. I shouldn't say repair. It just rehabs the tendons the most. So number one, pain is okay. Number two, keep in mind that the tendons love slow, heavy load. Um, I have seen in the past that people actually feel a lot better once they've got out of the body weight phase and into the heavy strength phase. We're obviously going to progress through the heavy stuff slowly and make sure you've adapted to that because I do know people try heavy deadlifts way too quickly and all of a sudden they've got back pain because they just can't handle the heavy load. So we want to make sure we're, we're being sensible. Um, the third one I have written down is if you take it slow and heavy, the tendons don't get worse. This goes back to the Alfredson story that we're reflecting on. His, uh, his 
assumption when it comes to heavy loads was that the tendon was going to get worse. You're going to put a whole bunch of load, going to drop over this step and put tears in the tendon or just make it significantly worse and therefore he requires surgery. But it actually got better. So when it comes to the slow, heavy stuff and people are fearful because of pain, because they feel, fear there's going to um, increase the the damage or increase a tear or something, uh, we've busted those myths in earlier episodes. But keep in mind, it actually gets better. And it will take a very extreme like rare case for a tendon to structurally get worse under load if we follow our adaptation principles. And it's usually if you do, if I was to think of a common situation when uh, a tendon ruptures, it's usually in those circumstances where it's um, extremely deconditioned and it's often painless. There's often no pain associated with a really degenerative tendon that's about to rupture. And, one of my examples for, I guess, um, in the past when it comes to sports, team sports, um, I often think of us like playing Aussie rules football. There was a, a Masters game that my dad participated in. So he played Australian rules football. Um, he played it throughout his teens and into his 20s and early 30s. Then he gave up footy, getting too old. And his club decided to run a um, kind of like a reunion masters game where they just have a bit of fun, a bit of pride on the line, but get a whole bunch of people who played 20 years ago and start playing a competitive game, a fun game, but they treated it pretty competitively to a game of football. So fast sprinting, tackling, kicking, all that sort of stuff. And I just thought to myself, that is a ruptured tendon like ready. It's it's a setting everything up for a ruptured tendon because you have deconditioned athletes who have just not played any sport, not participated in anything, drinking beers for the last 20 years, and then all of a sudden they're playing in a game which they're not going to ease into it. As soon as the ball's thrown up, as soon as they play, their pride's on the line and they're going to try and be the fastest, you know, be the biggest, be the, the strongest and competitiveness gets ahead of them and to my surprise there was two ruptured Achilles tendons that game and I think there was a torn calf um no surprises there it, but those tendons the ten- tendons themselves they didn't have a tendinopathy at that stage they ha- if any if you were to ask them before the game they'd say they're they're feeling fine it's only because they've got a really weak tendon that's really deconditioned then you just put them through an extreme scenario um, so they're the scenarios w- which I've seen in the past that actually rupture and uh, rupture a tendon. I haven't really seen uh, an a proximal hamstring tendon rupture due to a deadlift or something like that. Um, it it very very rarely happens unless there's maybe another pathology going on in the background. So um, as we sum up today's episode, looking back on the Alfredson story. Pay attention to your own rehab and your own exercises and just be reassured. Go through those three points I said. Pain is okay. Tendons love heavy load as long as we do them slowly. And tendons, when you apply that slow, heavy load, tendons don't get worse. They actually get better. So something for you to try out if it's maybe a missing link or a gap within your rehab. 
there's some practical takeaways there for you, for you to go away with. Um, if you do enjoy this podcast, um, please share it out to those who are commenting on Facebook or just any passers-by or if you just see on social media in general anyone that's suffering from this particular condition. I really appreciate if you just um, open up the podcast, click like a share link um, on your phone, just share it to them because I'm constantly getting uh, feedback and how it's helped them, how this podcast and certain episodes are helping your rehab. Um, So the more people we can help, the better, because we do know how debilitating or how confusing or how frustrating this injury can be. And so trying to get the information to the right people is the biggest, the biggest step. It's very hard for me to find these sort of people. Um, A lot of people just search PHT and then they find the podcast but if people aren't familiar with podcasts or not sure where to search, um, the next best step is for you guys to share the podcast out. So if you could do that, it'd be fantastic. And yeah, we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks once again for listening and taking control of your rehab. If you are a runner and love learning through the podcast format, then go ahead and check out the Run Smarter podcast hosted by me. I'll include the link along with all the other links mentioned today in the show notes. So open up your device, click on the show description, and all the links will be there waiting for you. Congratulations on paving your way forward towards an empowering, pain-free future. And remember, knowledge is power.